Mark. Joe, how are you? Well, I'm about the same as uh, every other time you've asked that question. Okay, then I'll ask you a question. No, I'm not going to ask you a question. I'm going to say, do you have any questions for me? I do have a question for you. Oh, oh no. See? see? Now I'm stressed. My stress level has gone way up. <laughs> you think your stress level has gone up. Mine has gone up because I don't actually have a question. I got to <laughs> think of one quickly and the stress is killing me. Yeah. Where'd you get those glasses? Those are great looking glasses. I got them from Amazon in a bag of five. Are you serious? Yeah, because I, I I wear readers, basically. I, I, I know I should wear prescription glasses, but I don't because I'm just going to lose them. So for Christmases, I usually ask for bags of glasses, and I just just sequester them everywhere. There's like I like a squirrel with nuts, but with glasses, reading glasses. Okay, this is just leading to more questions that we don't have time <laughs> for. But we don't have time for more, the que- more than one question. <laughs> no, it's going to have to wait till the next podcast. We do have a special guest today, Krista Wallace, joining us to talk about her favorite, not necessarily favorite, but a piece of art that she's passionate about. Hello. Hello. Hi, Krista. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. This is very exciting. Now, we do something that I think we've admitted many times is because we're lazy, really. No, no, I, I need to reframe this. It's okay. I, I agree. It started that, but I think I'm actually, I'm, I've, drunk the Kool-Aid, I believe that this is the best way to do it because it allows the guests to sort of set up their own reality and put their best And lie to us if they so choose. Yeah, they could make anything up if they want to. That's right. What we're talking about is introducing yourself. You know, like on a professional radio show or something, you know, we would introduce the guest, but we don't do that here. We let you introduce yourself. Oh, gosh. You should have warned me. I I would have practiced or something. See – that's that's the mean part of this. We never warn anyone about this. They just go, "Oh God, really? <laughs> I have to introduce myself." Oh, no. Good thing I have done this sort of thing once or twice. So, and I have yeah. I have known myself for quite some time. So it it shouldn't be too difficult to come up with with some things to say. Um, so so certainly, if it is my turn, then I will say that I am Krista Wallace. I I write primarily fantasy. I usually write in a closet here in Port Coquitlam, British Columbia, a suburb of Vancouver. I am an actor and a writer and a musician. I sing in two jazz bands and I also do audiobook narration and all kinds of fun things. So when you asked me to, um, I I should also say I'm the author of the Gatekeeper series. I published four novels in the last year. I'm working on the sequel to the, in the Gatekeeper series and I have a standalone comedic contemporary humor fantasy romance called Griffin and the Spurious Correlations. Then, Well, excellent. Yeah. Actually, and before we get into what we're supposed to be talking about, I want to, I got to ask you about some of that. You know, the, okay. what I find really intriguing yeah. is like the, the jazz band singing. That's, uh, that's terrific. Can you tell us more yeah. about that? I sang in vocal jazz in high school and then uh, after I graduated from high school, I went to theater school at University of Victoria and didn't really do much singing apart from musical theater at that time. And once I graduated from school, I remembered how much I loved singing in choirs. So I joined a choir. And when I moved back to the mainland, I joined the Vancouver Bach Choir. So I was singing classical music for a number of years. And then uh, a friend of mine who 
was actually my junior high school music teacher. He he's <laughs> we became good friends after. That's after okay. That. You can be friends so, with your teachers. Yeah. yeah. I absolutely yeah. So we're um, not judging. We're not judging, honestly. <laughs> I should hope not. Bit, just, yeah. <laughs> so he was running this band and invited me to uh, one of their performances, and they didn't have a vocalist at that time. And I said, "Hey, if you ever need a, a singer, let me know." So then he phoned me up and said, "I'm calling your bluff." Uh. Um, <laughs> I've been singing with that band ever since, and that was a very long time ago. The band is called Fat Jazz, and fat is short for friends and teachers. So this is a group, ah. of, a group of teachers who, you know, they recalled how much they loved playing music as well as teaching music. So they formed a band, and the friends, of course, are the people who are not necessarily music teachers, but you, you need a full band, and, and music teachers often play trumpet or saxophone, so you need to fill out the yeah. rest of the That band. is true. My music teacher played uh, trumpet, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so so um, I'm I'm the vocalist for Fat Jazz and have been for a really super long time. Holy cow! Have you guys done any recording or? We did do a CD a number of years ago. It's still lurking about somewhere. <laughs> the personnel of the band changes over time because people, oh, I you know I found something else I need to do, and then somebody fills their place, and so it's it's undergone all kinds of iterations over the years. And and my teacher who invited me to join the band hasn't been in the band for years now, but he plays in a saxophone quartet over on the island, so he's still playing music too. Ah. Um, and what was the other? You said two bands, that's right? That's right. Yes, I have a jazz duo uh, with a, another friend of mine, and it's called the Itty Bitty Big Band. Uh, <laughs> it's an awesome name. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. So we have a computer program called Band in a Box, and we do all the programming and all the arranging of our tunes. And it's because it's it's not just like MIDI sampling or something like that. It's actual recordings of real musicians. So it it doesn't sound like a computer program from, you know, years ago, if you had a backup computer band, it would sort of sound tinny and crummy, but this Aloha is Bob, we called it. Yeah. yeah this, this, <laughs> this is actually really good quality sound. So the it's, he plays alto and tenor sax and clarinet and I sing and we have our backup band and it allows us to do paid gigs that are, you know, tinier because we only, we just need this little corner. Yeah. To fit yeah. So, yeah. Mark, do you sing? I do actually. We share this in common. I actually did cabaret when I was at university. No kidding. Cool. Yeah, a, a group called Queen's Players. Excellent. Wow. Yeah. That's a great musical. My my son yeah, was I... in that one in university. <laughs> oh yeah, he went to Queens. No, he went to Capilano. Oh okay. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea, Mark, so that you sang. Yeah, I play guitar and sing. Wow. Gee. But not jazz. I sing. I don't really. Yeah, I sing sort of folk and rock kind of stuff. But uh, what kind of jazz do you like to play? Because oh gosh, um, well we do a lot of big band. Obviously, we right. do a lot of swing tunes and stuff like that. I, I you know I like stuff that goes you know outside a little bit, but um, yeah. nothing nothing too crazy. And the and the duo, we just do whatever we, yeah, we want. We, whatever you want, right? Yeah, we take all kinds of pop tunes and do jazz arrangements. We do a bunch of Beatles tunes and Joni Mitchell and and stuff like that and just kind of take chords and make them sound jazzy and put a swing feel or a Latin feel or, or something like that. Yeah, I, I actually had a rock band for about 12 years or something like that too. So wow. I kind of know what you mean yeah. about singing the rock music. No, I, I was in a Celtic band for a while. Oh, neat. Or as my dad called it, the diddly D. 
<laughs> I don't like that diddly D. <laughs> uh, come on, it's great. I have That's always my- wanted to be in a band my entire life and have never been. But I love Aww. music, you know, play the keyboard, not particularly well, but I play it. And uh, yeah. and I do like to to sing. I sing when I'm walking the dog, actually. And that works. <laughs> well, I don't know. Sometimes it's cold and I got to make the time pass. So, but um, yeah, but uh, so I'm jealous of you guys. Aw. <laughs> oh. I have one more follow-up question. I'm sorry. I, I have to bite on this one. Okay. The closet. Is it your closet? Is it a is it a community closet where writers can like rent it by the hour? How does it work? It's my very own closet. In fact, it it's it's a walk in closet in yeah. my bedroom. And when we moved in, we're like, oh, this is your perfect writing space. So we we got a stand up wardrobe from IKEA, so all the clothes go in there, and I huddle in the closet. We use the the hanger thingies to hang things up that that make for good sound dampening and stuff like that because i do my i do my audiobook recording yeah I, I'm, I'm getting that yeah, yeah. That if you're so, going to do your audiobooks too so, so but yeah. it's such a night i like i like writing in the dark i i really like not having distraction yeah of, makes sense i i would i would love to live in a sound deprivation in a um like a a what do you call it a deprivation sensory deprivation, sensory deprivation chamber deprivation. Yeah. yeah no light no sound i would love that so, okay, that's where we differ. I like writing in the garden. That's oh. my that's my jam. Huh. Nice. Yeah, we're totally opposite to what you're saying because, well, yeah, I, I can write in other places. Sure. I, yeah. I, I, I I'm sure I could write in a closet if I was <laughs> presented with something like that. I, I kind of had it. Yeah, I trained myself to write anywhere, anytime. I've written in, you know, by swimming pools and on trains yep. and. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Yep. Yeah, and I I'll go on a writing retreat with a friend or or, or I have a, my friend who lives on the island on waterfront property, and I sit in her living room and you know, overlooking the inlet, and you know, that's that's certainly inspiring too. So I can I can write in all kinds of places, but I do like my closet. <laughs> so speaking of inspired, what piece did you want to bring to this conversation to talk about? Well. I- or is it an artist or no it, it's actually a little a little teeny tiny painting but i i had to think oh, long wow. and hard about this because you know we're we're a very musical family and a very um we're all involved in in theater and and live performance and stuff like that so i was trying to think of some a song or you know a theater piece that cuz there are all kinds of those things that are certainly inspiring but then my husband said oh come on the painting and I was like, well, <laughs> duh. Okay, so so it's this little painting, which of course the listening audience will not be able to see, but and and you can't oh, even wow. see the colors very well. It's um it's called tunnel vision. Okay. And mm-hmm. and to describe it to the audience, it's it's a path through what is clearly a forest, but you can't see leaves. You can just see branches and limbs all bending over, and it creates this sort of circular almost looks like a vortex and it's got lots of different colors, greens and reds and blues and purples and teal and orange is in there. It's by a Burnaby artist named Jane Appleby. And she's on, you can actually find her online. Okay. We'll provide a link to her Yeah, in, yeah. in the show notes. Yeah. And maybe if she doesn't have a PDF or something of, or JPEG of that 
maybe we can get you to take a picture of it. Or I sure can. Yeah. So is that a print that you have or is that like an original? This is this is an original watercolor. Mm. I had That's gone cool. to a show, a, an artist show by the Burnaby Artist Guild at the Shadbolt Center in Burnaby. It was a long time ago. This I've had this painting for years and years. And I was looking around at all this amazing artwork and I love all kinds of different styles. And when I turned a corner and I saw this thing hanging there and it's tiny, like it's four inches by five inches or whatever. Could you hold it up again, actually? Yeah. We'll just describe what we're seeing, which is, uh, so you have it in a, in a frame. What is that? A six by nine frame? Yeah. About that. This is the frame it came in. I've, I've always meant to reframe it in, in something that, fit the looks painting. good in there so it's uh it's like a silver okay yeah it doesn't really look that great in there you need to change that um but I it's <laughs> but it's uh, i was trying to be nice so quite a wide white border around it and then the yep. picture itself which as you say is kind of a wildly colored passage through trees or foliage or it looks like trees to me. I've always interpreted it as trees. But it's kind of open to interpretation, isn't it? Yeah, it doesn't really have foliage on it. it there's no there's no greenery. Yeah. It's yeah. just color. It's it's branches. Yeah. It's it's branches and trunks and there's a pathway yeah. leading through them. I think I'm being triggered by this painting. Oh. It reminds me of H and R Puff and stuff. <laughs> Have you ever seen that? I, show? Oh yes. That show terrified me. I I was truly terrified by that. Hey, it wasn't just me. Oh no, I was probably three years old. I I somehow caught it because it was supposed to be a kids' show. I guess my parents let me watch it. I caught it when it was out in the first run. It's like that is terrifying. I'm so (laughs) glad you said that because yeah, it's supposed to be this kids' show and it's this fun guy with his big yellow head and everything. And (laughs) I don't know why. I couldn't even tell you why it terrified me so much. It was primordial that show. Like I, it, it touched, it touches some deep wells. I think. Okay, before we put this uh, painting on the website, yeah, trigger warning. <laughs> yeah, I want to know how on earth this makes you think of HR Puff and stuff. Well, there's there's a couple of scenes. I, I can't, you know, obviously I don't remember any of the shows directly, but there's a couple of scary forests where the trees talk to Davy and and taunt him. Oh, oh, yeah. You don't remember that? Well, that's no, good. It's good you don't that. remember that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think that's good. Yeah, scary living trees. Yeah, yeah. not re- not totally, just a little bit, just like oh, yeah, okay, a little bit. Mm-hmm. But this, but this painting, yeah, it's not, it's not really a, a warm, reassuring painting, is it? Well, it's mysterious. Yeah. It's- so what? Yeah. So what drew you to it when you first saw it that you had to buy it? I, like I said, I walked around the corner and I saw it, and I just was locked on, and I had already. Had I finished writing my first novel or was I just partway through it? I don't know, but I it just it just made me think that it might be a place that my characters would go. Right. And and that is of course how I wound up using it. The scene that I wrote around this painting does it doesn't appear until the second book now because when I when I first started writing, I thought I was writing a book. And then I realized that it takes way longer to tell a story than you think it's going to take. So, so this scene is actually in the second book and I had no idea what was going to happen. I just knew that they, the characters were riding along and my main character, Kier senses the presence of this tunnel and she gets off her horse and she goes back and she finds this 
opening and she starts going down the tunnel with one of her buddies. And I had no idea what she was going to find at the end of the tunnel. I can talk more about that if you want. But that, you asked about why I was drawn to to buy the painting. And, and that's why, because I, I just saw it and went, oh, my characters would totally go down that tunnel and want to find out what's down there. And it's clearly a passage. Yeah. Like yeah. It, the, the painting really does draw you in that yeah. way. Yeah. 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 Now, does Jane Appleby know that you included a scene in your books based on her painting? <laughs> it's it's funny because Jane Appleby wasn't there at the art show when I bought it, but I ran into her at a baseball game when my my son was playing baseball in Burnaby and I I she was a parent on the other team. Like it was totally ra- crazy random happenstance that I should run into her and somehow hear that, that this was her name. I don't even know how that came up. Like you're at a baseball game of your, your children. And how do you hear that the a parent from the other team is this artist that you've been hmm. curious about? So I introduced myself and I said, I bought your painting and I, I would love to use it somehow in my book. And I don't think she knows that I actually wound up using it because we moved away from there and I never saw her again. Ah, and, and so when you said that you wanted to use it, what, what did she say? Oh, she just thought that was cool. She said, oh, neat. I'm really glad you liked it or, or whatever. Yeah. You so you, when yeah. you met her, you, you liked her. It wasn't done. Because sometimes we meet these people that we admire and then we think, why did I admire them? Yeah, <laughs> you know. But yeah, so that I, wasn't the case here. I do know what you mean, but no, that it wasn't like that at all. It, uh, it, it, she was, she was quite nice, and we only exchanged a few words because there was a baseball game going on. Huh? Can you tell us about her? Do you know much about her? I don't. I don't. Except what it what it says on the back here. I can read this thing to you if you want. Is there much profanity in it? I can't see any profanity. I can- that's, that's a bold choice. <laughs> wow, this is this artist's description has the most salty language in it I've ever seen. You never know. I doubt. Wow, this is a this is a family podcast, Mark. <laughs> is it? Oh I should God! Have asked you that before we started. I shouldn't have talked about Asian Air Puff and stuff. <laughs> I've only just decided that now. Like what? Fifteen episodes in. Yeah. <laughs> And you were going to read what was in the back. If you would like me to do that, I will. Please. It's when I paint my surroundings or renditions of memories within, I gain an added admiration for them. It is in this evaluation that I find freedom to be expressive and reflect over the experiences that move me. I like to paint in response to what I see and feel about the subject by letting the paintbrush lead me. Even though I love the challenge of studying the materials I work with and to try to paint something a specific way, I like when the painting carries with it an extension of something personal. Not only do I enjoy the act of painting, but also the ability to connect to people through yet another means, my art. Hmm. And then it says, that's quote, that's a whole quote from her. And it says, Jane Appleby is an active member of the Federation of Canadian Artists. She lives in Burnaby, BC. There you have it. Okay, yeah. And I just found her website. So there is a lot of information about her online if people want to check her out. Oh, fabulous. That's such a cool statement. And I'm reading this, and I I know I've read this before, but it's really grabbing me today because she likes to let the paintbrush lead her, and that's how I write. So, Mm -hmm. like I said, when I I wrote the scene that was based on this painting, I've let the story lead me, and so it's kind of interesting 
that we uh, create with a similar philosophy. Simpatico sort of methodology, yeah. Perhaps some kind of connection there if you meet randomly at a baseball game and... Yeah. (laughs) I should send her an email, actually, and say, hey, I finally... Do you remember? (laughs) I finally used this. Well, we'll definitely have to let her know that we're talking about a work on on a podcast. Yeah. yeah, We should do that with everyone that we can. I mean, I don't think Bruegel will be able to be contacted. (laughs) No, likely not. Have you purchased any others of uh, Jane's work? I have not. I have purchased other art from other artist guilds. (laughs) I like. And have you used them as inspiration for your fiction? Uh, Not really. No, I'll just, let's not say not really. No, I have not. I, I do have some other pieces that, that might inspire some things at some point, but, but presently none of the other pieces I've purchased fit in what I'm working on. Now tell us a little bit about what you're working on, a little bit more about, about your books. Okay. The premise of the story is that uh, Kier Haladin, she's uh, an elite sword fighter. She walked out of a cornfield at the age of three, and 20 years later, she leaves home to find out who put her there and why. So she goes off on a journey in, in search of her identity and her purpose and why she was left in this cornfield. She was brought up by some villagers who didn't have children of their own. So you know, standard fantasy trope of, of <laughs> young yeah. person who does not know her parentage. And she winds up in a duel with a lecherous traveler and he cheats and she winds up killing him. And that's how she- Wait, he cheats? He cheats. But she winds up killing him. So his cheating didn't work. Correct. He cheated badly. Okay, that's good. He cheated badly. Mm-hmm. And that meant that, you know, in a, in a duel, there are rules of engagement mm-hmm. and he broke the rules and she had the instinct that- if he, if she didn't take him out, he would probably try to cut her down at another time. So she took him out. And as a result of that, she meets one of her greatest heroes who now wants her to work for him. And through traveling with him, she starts to learn some things about herself and about the world that she did not know when she was uh, isolated in her tiny village up north. So I like these stories where people are finding out more about themselves that they did not know. Yeah, mm-hmm. I do too. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. a fine tradition yeah, of those. It's a trope for a reason. I mean, I know. You know they, yes, yes. Don't don't be apologetic about a trope. It's like, yeah. Like the born identity, for example. Sorry, the born identity. Yeah, right. that's a good one. Yeah, the born, and I'm thinking of the book, not the movie, because I right. read the book, you know, many, many, many years ago, and you know, the movies were good, but the book was great. Yeah, that's often the case. <laughs> I try. It's funny. I try to. I sort of try to actively avoid using too many tropes and relying sure. on those things. I kind of try to, you know, take the story in a way that people won't expect. But yeah, there there are some that you fall back on, and of course, this was the first thing I ever wrote. I was not one of those people who always knew I wanted to be a writer. I guess when I started, I was I was very young and new at writing, and this is what I fell back on. And then I decided to to take it in different ways as I as I grew as a writer. And but okay, so can you explain that? You said so you didn't know you wanted to be a writer. So mm-hmm. how did you how did you become a writer? 
there was a group of friends, my, my husband and, and a bunch of our friends who used to get together and play a tabletop RPG, but not Dungeons and Dragons. It was similar, but not that. One of those guys in the group wrote a novella and he shared it with a bunch of us and asked us to critique it. And so it was through critiquing his work that I went, oh, this is this is neat. This is a neat idea. I don't think it would ever have crossed my mind that I was allowed to write something. I don't know. that. Hmm. Uh, so the fact that he wrote this piece of work gave me the idea that this might be something I would like to try. And because hmm. we'd created these adventures in the game, that was, and I won't say that the story is is, I would say it's sort of loosely based on that, but but the things that happened in the in the game don't even come up until the second book, because again, I had no idea how long it takes to how, how many words it takes to to, to tell a good story. Yeah. <laughs> but the they the, the world and the characters were certainly an inspiration for the story, and so that's just that's where I began, and I just sensed that. Well, the, these things that we're talking about in the game, these adventures we're creating, they can't happen right away because we need to get to know this character a little bit better and, and blah, blah, blah. So, so it's a different adventure that happens in the first book. But then we get into some of the other things. So that's how I got started writing. I just honestly did not know that this was something that, that I could just try. And then I really loved it. Who knew, you know? <laughs> Do you think that um, your theater background and maybe even your jazz background has an impact on on how much you love that creation? The, the theater background, for sure. Yeah. The jazz background, maybe in a, in a really esoteric sort of a way. Um, but the theater background, definitely, because I, I, I love creating characters and I love the creative problem solving side mm-hmm. of storytelling. And and mm. certainly when, when you start getting somebody critiquing your work, I love that part. I love when, when somebody, when somebody gives me a comment, I will consider it really carefully and decide if I agree with it or not. And then once I've decided I agree with it, then the fun part comes in where you're trying to, to, address that concern but also staying true to the to the story and maintaining the integrity of the story and and of the 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 characters and i just i just love that side of the the process Mm -hmm. and so yeah i i think that the uh the theater background helps with the problem solving and the the storytelling and you know dialogue and, and character relationships and and things like that yeah because i mean i'm not a good actor i did act in in school i was i mean i was tragic in fred yerger's acting class i mean that poor man what he went through with me but <laughs> i i've actually written him an apology since <laughs> but but what he was trying to teach me was really important but but what what i did learn though from his class was the importance of the character knowing what they want yeah like if if you can do that it makes your character so much more real Mm-hmm. Just just doing a little bit of acting work of like, okay, so what is what is this character? Who are they? Where are they from? What do they want in this scene? What do they want in their mm-hmm. life? But what do they want in this scene? Even mm-hmm. if it's simple as, you know, Vonnegut says, just wanting a glass of water. 
It adds so much. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I asked about jazz because yeah. no, I'm not, I've never played jazz and I don't know what that's like, but it seems like one of the fun things about jazz is, is the there's forms, but you're not restricted by the forms Yeah, and you get to play off things. So yep. I was just wondering if there's times when things happen, like, you know, there's, there's this tunnel and they want to go down this tunnel. I know they're going to go down the tunnel, but that's like a jazz exploration, right? You don't know what's going to happen when they go down the tunnel. No, it's it's funny you're saying that because I that has certainly never crossed my mind in the writing process. But you're probably right that that the the freedom of improvising mm-hmm. through through singing jazz and playing jazz means I'm not afraid of that. Yeah, I'm I'm not afraid of just writing into something a scene and having no clue what's going to happen and just going with it. So maybe that's a thing. I don't, I don't know. This is the first time I've even thought of that. Thanks to you. So there you go. (laughs) So you're obviously a a deeply creative person and all of these creative pursuits, I take it none of these is actually your full-time job. I would say that, that writing is my full-time job, but it's not the thing that I do that makes me money. (laughs) So I'm, I'm very curious, what with you being a very a deeply creative person, what does make you money? I I work as, okay, good thing we've got lots of time. Anybody, anytime anybody asks what, what you do, I say, how much time do you have? Um, I work as a standardized patient for the UBC Faculty of Medicine and for other medical BC... College of Nurses and Midwives. They've changed their name over the years, so I couldn't remember what it was called. Uh, and I've, I've done a lot of this work for the College of Pharmacy and, and stuff like that. So when med students are taking an exam, they go from station to station and have an encounter with a patient, and there's a physician examiner in the room who marks them. And so I'm the patient with whom they have the encounter. So it's, it's acting. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> So you do make your your living in a creative you know, way. I it's, always forget that's pretty that. creative. Yeah, it is. It it really is, and I always forget that my I've I've had other people say, no, actually, you make the money that you make is all from your field of study. I'm like, oh, yes, I suppose you're right. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm laughing because I'm thinking of the Seinfeld episode where what? where Kramer and his buddy <laughs> get gigs doing that. I haven't even seen it, but I've oh, okay. had so many people say like, oh, the way Kramer does. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. yeah. And I can't remember what they're oh, fighting God. over. They're fighting over syphilis or gonorrhea because it's a better <laughs> thing than jaundice. And Kramer ends up having to do jaundice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's fascinating work, actually. It sounds mm, fun, yeah. actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah really it does. Fun. What a great yeah. way to make a living. Yeah, it's what a great, yeah. really fun. Yeah. And when and when you come in there as a as one of these patients, what is it that you secretly want? <laughs> yeah. I want I, what my what my character wants, which is what's on the case study. Is, this I, is why this is yeah. why I've come into the room to see. I don't the want to have jaundice anymore. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I can't, wow. I can't, uh, I can't share with you any of the details, or else I'd have to kill you. Oh, sorry, this is a family show, but, um, but yeah, you can imagine any any reason that a that a patient would go see a doctor. I may very well have done a, a case involving a thing like that, and we we present whatever symptoms are necessary, and um, or whatever attitude or 
or mood or whatever is whatever's required for the character. And you do the same wow, thing neat. over and over yeah. again all day. <laughs> yeah, it's really great. Now, I'm going to take us back to the okay. uh, to the painting. Okay. You had mentioned that when you were trying to pick something that uh, you were having trouble, you know, whether it be a, a song or whatnot. And then your husband had said yeah. the painting. The painting. Yeah. So this so this painting obviously has great significance, even beyond yourself to what to your whole family. Well, they or? they all know the story. They all the the painting sits there on the on the shelf in the living room, and and everybody knows the story. So you know. Friends who come over and admire it, I tell them the story. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Well, it's great. Okay. I love it. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it definitely, that painting affected me immediately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for, for yeah. different reasons than you, but for sure, it's, it's, it's a great work of art. I, I love it. I, I always thought it should be on the cover of the book, but mm -hmm. then you learn more about what should be on a yeah, cover of a yeah. book and I, and, and, you know, maybe on a later edition, I can come back to that and uh, get Jane's permission, make sure, I mean, it's original and I bought it, but I suppose I would, I would probably consult with her, but. Well, that's true. Yeah. Did you buy the print or did you, cause you probably didn't buy the, well, it, yeah, the rights to use the yeah, paint. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I mean, it says original watercolor. I, I uh, honestly, yeah. I, I just have it in my living room, so I never did research on what the rules are. <laughs> I would, yeah. I would probably, if I were going to use it on the cover of the book, I would consult with her just, just to be polite. But of maybe someday yeah. we'll have a copyright lawyer on the show yeah. where we can ask them what we should do yeah. with those situations. Yeah. I suspect you probably have to get permission I, I, yeah. and maybe sign I, a contract. But yeah, I'd be happy to do that. But like, I, like I said, that was the original plan. But then when it came to thinking about what needs to be on the cover of a book, I, um, maybe that would be good, but you're also, this is book two of a series. So if you're going to use that, then what goes on the other one? Yeah, there's so much to think about. So, so you said, you know, the more you uh, do, uh, do books that uh, the more you learn about what should be on a cover, what should be on a cover? Oh, well, <laughs> and I still don't know. I have, I have four books published. I have no idea whether I've done them correctly, but you know, you're, you're trying to show the theme. You want somebody who picks up the book to kind of get a sense that it's a fantasy novel without having to look somewhere and have it say fantasy. And you want to give them a sense of what they're going to find when they open the book. And so, you know, the, the cover of my first book has, you know, there's, there's a sword and there's this medallion, which appears in the book and it's on a background that it has all these kind of circles and things and looks very magical. So I'm, I'm trying to convey that it's a fantasy novel that involves sword fighting and a medallion. And so, <laughs> yeah. And then the, the next ones use the same background, but I've got a different color and then there's something other than the medallion in the center. Mm -hmm. So it, it, that's all marketing stuff that we're just learning about constantly. And I know, isn't that hopefully, irritating? Hopefully the whole, you it. just want to write the damn book. Yeah, yeah. And then you got to think about all this other well, stuff. I actually like the cover part of it. Do you? Yeah, but I love because I love working with artists. Oh, so okay. I mean, I I did I've done two covers myself, but I'm not you know really good at it. And I love I love hiring an artist who's really good at what they do because mm -hmm. that then it's fun because once you figure out okay, the main thing is it has to look like the genre that you're selling. Once you've so got I, that figured out, 
then you can get creative with it. And that's yeah. where it gets fun, especially if you've got a graphic designer or a book cover designer. I'm going to say that because mm-hmm. not every graphic designer can do cover design. Yeah. And that's fun. Like that's working with them is fun. Like it's, it's uh, saying, because normally they don't want to read the whole book. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> they've, they've got to design a lot of covers, which is fair. So yeah. they, they're like, okay, so what's the book about? Okay. And then it's interesting to see how different designers take a different approach mm-hmm. to thinking about what the book is about and asking about themes. And it's just, it's just, I found it fun, but I understand what you're saying. The rest of it, not so much fun. The, uh, the rest right. of the marketing stuff is marketing. Yeah. 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 Any final thoughts then on the painting that you have chosen, Krista? Uh, I, I will reiterate that I just found it magical when I, when I first laid eyes on it and mysterious. And I guess I was looking forward to the time when my characters could go down that tunnel and show me what was at the other end of it. So I'm, I'm really happy that they did. Yeah. And it became, it, it became quite a central thing. I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to tell you what they find at the other end, but it actually became something important. And I had, I didn't plan it. Like I said, I just, I just let the characters take me there, but it, it became important to the story. So that, that's fun. I, that's one of the things I love about writing as well is just seeing what happens that the jazz background Exactly. It's you did jazz exploration of what happens down that tunnel. So there's a reason to check out the painting and a reason to check out your books. Cool. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you very much for uh, coming on our podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This has been really fun. Yay. (laughs) Yay. listening to Recreative, a podcast about creativity. Talking to creative people from every walk of life about the art that inspires them. And you're probably wondering, how can I support this podcast? I am wondering, Joe, how can I support this podcast? I mean, apart from being on it. There's no advertisements in this podcast. There's no tip jars. There's nothing about like buying us a coffee or anything like that. But there is a way that you can support us. And what is that? It's not about supporting us. It's about supporting the people that we're talking to. I think most of the people we've talked to are artists of some description, and they probably have some kind of artistic product that you could buy. And if you enjoyed it, maybe you could review it for them. Oh, yeah. But maybe us too. Yeah, you know what? Us too. It wouldn't hurt. They could buy our books. And how do they find us? Recreative.ca. Don't forget the hyphen. There's a hyphen in there. Re-creative. I took your line. Sorry. Well, because I stole your life. <laughs> so yes, re-creative.ca. Jenks. Oh yeah, you're, that, I stole your line again. <laughs> As well, if you like what you've just heard, you could consider subscribing to the podcast. And leave a comment if you like it. Thanks for listening. Spread the word. <laughs> <laughs>